We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 91 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Got a packed show for you guys today, breaking down the Gamecocks baseball series against Texas A&M as South Carolina looks for their first series win in the SEC of 2019. Also, some basketball news, A.J. Lawson declares for the NBA draft. What does it mean for Frank Martin's squad as we move into next season? Also, we get some football talk in as South Carolina picks up a big-time four-star commitment. We'll break that down. Also, a big decommitment I want to speak on as well. Uh, another football article as well, a quarterback rankings article, which the SEC quarterbacks were ranked. Where did Jake Bentley fall in that, and what can he do to raise his stock? Going to break all that down and much, much more. Before we get into all that, this is a broadcast presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far. You guys hear me talk about them all the time. If you need tickets to anything, South Carolina's at home this weekend against Texas A&M. If you're going to any of the games, if you're buying tickets to any of those games, Go down to the SeatGeek app, use our promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save yourself $10 off in the process. So again, it doesn't have to be South Carolina Gamecocks events, obviously, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. The NFL just released their schedules tonight if you're going to any of those games in the fall. Um, It doesn't have to be sports either, concerts, comedy club events, you name it. Anything you can get tickets to, SeatGeek is the place to go. They're the best ticket buying app by far. They actually rate the tickets based on a ticket rating system. So you know exactly what you're getting for. You know if you're getting a steal, you know if you're getting ripped off, you know exactly what you are paying for when you click the buy button. It's really that simple. Again, our friends over at SeatGeek, go download that SeatGeek app, use the promo code SPURSUP, and save $10 off your first purchase. All right, let's get into it. you guys tuning in i'm chris phillips your host as always coming to you episode 91 of the spurs up show again it's a very very good one i'm glad you've joined us uh, as you can probably hear i'm still fighting the allergies a bit if you will but i have gotten better over the week i can't tell you how many hot teas i've consumed and uh, all the food i've eaten to try to get better overall so definitely getting better a little bit i'd say i'm probably about 80 percent right now you guys can probably hear my voice still a little bit crackly but overall getting better and better i tell you the master's week the pollen down there in Augusta, Georgia, really, really got me over the past week. I don't know. I, I normally, you know, it's funny. I normally don't get allergies, but, man, it really got me this time. Like I said, you can hear my voice still. Um, but but I'm back again. Again, the show must go on. Uh, the show absolutely must go on. And there's a ton to talk about 
in this week's episode. Before I go any farther, something I used to do, I want to kind of mention really quickly, um, kind of initiative I want to push for the Spurs Up show really quickly that I used to do. Um, if you could take five seconds out of your day, it helps people find us on iTunes. Go to iTunes. Go to, if you didn't know, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Buzzsprout, uh, Google Play, really anywhere you can find podcasts, anywhere you can consume podcasts. Do me a favor. Do the Spurs Up show a favor. Go on there. Take five seconds out of your day. Leave us a five-star review. If you want to write something in there, that's totally fine. But please go leave us a five-star review. Like I said, the more reviews we have, it actually helps people find us, helps find the show, and helps spread the uh, the good word of the Spurs Up show. So if you could go do me a favor, again, go to wherever you listen to our podcast, wherever you consume it. Again, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening right now. Take five seconds out of your day. Go leave us a five-star review. Again, it really helps. Uh, helps me out, helps the Spurs Up show out, helps everybody find us. So if you enjoy the show, if you have any feedback as well, if you want to leave it in there, be sure to do that. Um, but really really would appreciate you guys uh, going on to those different outlets and leaving us a five-star review. Also, if you're not doing so, be sure to go follow us on social media. You guys, I feel like you guys already know where to find us, but again, I haven't done this in a while, and I used to do it on every single podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and push it. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, um, you name it, the Spurs Up show, really at the Spurs Up show is where you can find us. Um, Snapchat is something I'm pushing as well. So you want to add us on Snapchat, the Spurs Up Show. We're on YouTube as well, the Spurs Up Show. I'm posting all the Daily Crows, all the podcasts as well. We'll be going on YouTube. So if you like to consume things via that channel, um, also going to have a ton of dope video content that comes out in the fall as we get closer to football season. Going to be a ton of vlogs, obviously, during football season. So go ahead and do yourself that favor. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Go ahead and get that out of the way so you're already – already ahead of that before those videos come out. All right, so like I said, got a packed show. Let's go ahead and get right into it. We'll start with the baseball team, South Carolina baseball, getting a big-time win over North Carolina Tuesday night in Charlotte, a place that I talked about before, had been a house of horrors for South Carolina. They were able to get the win over UNC. South Carolina now faces Texas A&M, the seventh-ranked Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, South Carolina comes in this game 22-15, and 4-11, and 11, or comes in the series, excuse me, three-game series. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, with Thursday, Friday being on SEC Network Plus. Saturday's game being on SEC Network. I believe first pitch times are 7, 7, and 4 for those three games. Again, Texas A&M ranks 7th in the country, 27, 11, and 1 overall, 9, 5, and 1 in the SEC. They're actually coming off of a series win over the Auburn Tigers. They just took two of three from Auburn. So, I mentioned before, every series for South Carolina from this point on is huge. I mean – you're at the point now, again, 4-11 and 11 in the SEC. You basically got to win every single SEC series you have left to have any shot at making the postseason. Um, I'll start with the UNC game just lightly. South Carolina, again, getting a big-time win over North Carolina. It's so funny. South Carolina now has as many wins over ACC competition as they do in SEC play, which is very hard to fathom. You think of the two versus Clemson, one versus NC State, and one versus UNC. And, I mean, the teams they have beaten, especially NC State, UNC, Two very, very good teams. I mean, UNC came into the game tonight, I think, 15th ranked in the country. NC State obviously was the number two, three, maybe even number one, depending on where you look, team in the country. Um, And we asked the question a couple weeks ago, you know, could South Carolina propel themselves from that big win against NC State into the weekend and kind of start some momentum and kind of get it rolling? They were unable to do so that weekend. South Carolina, I believe that was the weekend they went up to Tuscaloosa, went to Alabama and got pretty much throttled, um, lost two of three in that series. Um, the same question is going to be asked this weekend. You know, can South Carolina take what they did on Tuesday night against UNC and use it as momentum? I'm going to be very, very interested to see. Again, South Carolina going with the same weekend rotation as last week. Reed Morgan on Thursday, Cam Tringali on Friday and Saturday, TBA. Um, 
again, you know, I, I hate putting too much stock into midweek games. I think more than anything, it's just good for South Carolina to get that <clears throat> that Charlotte monkey off their back, if you will. Obviously, we know how bad they had been in Charlotte. I mean, UNC, I think it outscored them in three games, like 40 to eight or something crazy like that. So for South Carolina to get that monkey off its back to finally beat North Carolina in baseball, obviously, is huge. But I, I don't want to put – you know, I don't want to put too much stock into the UNC win just because, one, we've already seen it not translate into the weekend. Two, you know, I had somebody text me and ask me, you know, what is the difference? Are we putting out a different lineup out there? Are we throwing some different guys in the midweek? You know, and I just simply told them, I mean, really, no. I mean, we're, you know, basically the lineup's the same. Um, and the guys you're throwing in the midweek, they're not exactly the same, but you would think those guys aren't going to be quite as good as your weekend guys. The only thing – the only thing that I would say is very different for South Carolina in the midweek is that they go into those midweek games knowing they're going to be Johnny Holstep. I think that's the biggest difference in those games for South Carolina. So, um, you know, what does it really mean? I mean, should the Gamecocks take that approach on the weekend? I have no idea. I, I don't think so. I'm a traditionalist in the sense I think you have your starters. You have, you have your guys in your roles. I don't believe going into games. Like, really, I wish they would just go ahead and name a Saturday starter instead of the TBA. Um, I know why they do it, though. But overall, I mean, what does it really mean? I'm not sure it really means anything for South Carolina, again, other than a feel-good win. Obviously, it does give you the opportunity to build up some momentum. was looking at the schedule before, we, uh, before I jumped on the podcast. You know, South Carolina has – you know, you just beat UNC. South Carolina has the three-game set with Texas A&M. And then your next weekend is a three-game set against Missouri, which obviously, again, listen, there are no easy weekends in the SEC. But you feel like the Missouri series is – you know, I talked about the series you have remaining. Missouri and Kentucky are the two series that you're going to have the best opportunity, not just to win the series, but to even possibly sweep as well. Um, so if you can win two of three this weekend, you can really, really build up some momentum um, as far as making a push potentially for the postseason. Again, I've said it many times, I don't see South Carolina getting, the po- getting in the postseason. I just, I just don't see it at this point. But again, if South Carolina could pull the upset this weekend at home, win two of three, um, I definitely think it could be a series that could really propel those guys. I mean, again, that's the huge question for South Carolina fans. I'll have a more in-depth breakdown of Texas A&M, their players, their pitching staff hitters, et cetera. But really the biggest storyline going into this weekend for, for South Carolina is can, they, can this be the weekend that South Carolina finally has that breakthrough weekend and wins two of three or maybe even sweeps, you know, at home, obviously, maybe riding off the home momentum of the crowd. I mean, is this going to finally be the weekend that we see South Carolina sort of put it all together? Because, again, South Carolina has been close. I mean, they've had an opportunity to win pretty much every single series they've played in against some of the best competition as well. Um, That's my biggest question is that can South Carolina just finally break through and make this their weekend? Again, it's a great opportunity to do it. You're home at Founders Park. Um, you know, you got to feel good about. I listen. Reed Morgan wasn't great in his last start, but you got to feel good. He's pitched so well at Founders Park this year. You've got to feel good about him going on the bump Thursday night. Gives you an opportunity again. Texas A&M's a good team, top ten team in the country. They've got big time arms. They've got big time bats. But at some point, this South Carolina team, there's talent on this team. Like you know, I said on Monday's show, I believe that this was a bad baseball team, and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not retracting on that. And that as an overall team, I mean. There's not much else you can say. This has not been a good team, but there is talent on this team. There's no doubt talent on this baseball team. Will this finally be the weekend where it sort of all clicks for South Carolina? Sort of similar to, I say, how we saw in the Clemson series, when I really felt like it all clicked for the Gamecocks. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest questions, again, this is, we're getting to the point in the season where obviously every weekend 
you know, you're going to be looking at postseason chances. Obviously, D1 baseball and other guys come out with their, uh, you know, their field of 64, their projections every single week. And, again, listen, if South Carolina gets swept or loses two of three, I mean, there's probably no point in us even talking about postseason chances. But I, I heard something this week that I didn't honestly realize that I thought was very interesting. Texas A&M, ironically, since that's South Carolina's opponent this week, Texas A&M a year ago actually made the postseason with a 13-17 and 17 SEC record a year ago. You look where South Carolina is, they are 4-11. and 11. That would require them, what, going 9-6 and six over the last 15 games, which, listen, that's not unreasonable. I, you know, I, I've said what I've said about South Carolina overall with, you know, their schedule, feeling they really missed the opportunity in the earlier series, and I still agree with that. But like I said, I think that you build off the big win over North Carolina. Again, what does the midweek game really mean? I'm not 100% sure it means anything. But you win two of three over Texas A&M. You've got a midweek game against Charleston Southern. You go to Missouri, which, again, I really feel like you should be able to win two of three against Mizzou. Um, if you can do that, I mean, it sets you up with a huge series, Vanderbilt at home in two weeks that, again, right now, listen, I'm not expecting South Carolina to win that series or you know anything close to it. But if you can go into that series with momentum, back-to-back series wins, you just never really know. Again, every single weekend in the SEC is – you know, very, very unpredictable, I would say. Um, you follow that up with another home series against Kentucky, which is another one, in my opinion, again, especially being at home, you should be able to take two of three, if not sweep Kentucky, in my opinion. Then finally, again, you finish up the season at Mississippi State, which will be a very, very tough series due to the environment, due to the team you're playing, et cetera, et cetera. But I just think this weekend provides South Carolina with a very good opportunity to build up some momentum. So are the Gamecocks postseason chances completely, completely dead at this point? No, I would say they're not completely dead. Let me say that. Let me say this. Do I, do I think that South Carolina is going to get in the postseason? Absolutely not. I'm not predicting that. I mean, this team hasn't even won an SEC series yet. Um, but the path is there. I mean, we'll say the path is there. Um, the one thing I do want to say right now, D1 Baseball has A&M projected as the number 10 national seed hosting a regional. Obviously, the Gamecocks are nowhere to be found in that. Um, I want to say a year ago, though, when I said the A&M made the postseason at 13 and 17 in the SEC year, year ago, One of the big things helping South Carolina right now, I would say, is their non-conference and just how well they've been able to do in these midweek games, beating NC State, beating North Carolina, beating Clemson 2 or 3. Those are big-time things that the committee looks at when they're trying to put these teams in regionals. I will say the one thing, the one thing about that Texas A&M team a year ago, they finished with 40 overall wins. Here's the kicker. They won three games in the SEC tournament. To me, South Carolina, even if they finish the season strong, if they go nine and six, hell, even ten and five over their last over their last fifteen games, they're going to have to do something that, <clears throat> frankly put, they have not done very well in their history, really. Even when South Carolina was winning national championships, which is go to Hoover and win. Um, you know, we I think if you're a South Carolina fan, especially if you're a South Carolina diehard baseball fan, you obviously know of the struggles that South Carolina has had in Hoover. There's no question; it has truly been a house of horrors for the Gamecocks. But you never know. You have to give yourself that opportunity. But I think that's something that South Carolina will have to do. But for right now, obviously, a huge, you know, every weekend is huge for South Carolina. I just think the biggest question, can South Carolina finally just put it all together and break through? Because you have to think to yourself, they're going to slip up and win one of these series eventually. I mean, you can't lose every single series you have in conference. And I know the opponent's tough. I know it's a top-10 team. But the Gamecocks do have talent. Um, right now, for a prediction, obviously, I would pick A&M to win two of three. I just don't, you know – I don't think anyone reasonable or realistic can pick South Carolina to win the series right now until they prove that they're going to do so. I mean, I just 
you know, I've been burned enough times this season. I'm picking Texas in with two or three. But I do think the opportunity is there, and I think this is a series that will come down to the third game. I really do. Um, let's move into some basketball then. A.J. Lawson, big-time news dropped today. I know you guys are probably listening to this on Thursday. It is Wednesday night right now. But A.J. Lawson on Wednesday declaring for the NBA draft. Uh, says he will not hire an agent. If you're not familiar, this is something that college basketball players can do now. They can sort of test the waters. Um, if they don't get drafted, I believe if they get drafted and don't like where their slot is, they can come back. So A.J. Lawson going to test the waters. As you can obviously imagine, Twitter, social media in general was um, – did not take the news very well, obviously. Um, to me, what does it really mean? I mean, listen, I think South Carolina fans – you know, the reactions were maybe a little quick trigger as far as overreacting, as far as the sky is falling type deal. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of guys do this in regards to testing the waters, just kind of seeing where they stand with everything. And listen, A.J. Lawson's a damn good player. So, I mean, I, I don't blame him for testing out the waters. Now, I will say, I, I will say, in my personal opinion, I do think that A.J. Lawson will come back. I, I just think that I don't think he's going to be a high enough draft pick to pull him away from South Carolina. But it certainly is scary if you're a Gamecocks fan. I know I saw a lot of people basically saying, why does this always happen to Frank Martin? Woe is me. Kind of like here we go again syndrome where, you know, it sort of almost feels like P.J. Dozier all over again. A guy that, you know, certainly has the talent and can make the jump if he wants to. But a guy that I feel like certainly, certainly would benefit from a couple more years in college. At least, at least one. So, again, will he return? I think he will. Um, what does it mean for Frank Martin's squad if he does leave? I think it's a humongous, humongous blow. And I think, obviously, that's, that sort of triggered the reactions we saw because many people obviously are very nervous that if A.J. Lawson does leave, I mean, listen, you're already having to replace Chris Silva, which I'm not 100% sure how you're going to do that because, again, I'm not sure that Mike Kotsar is really going to be that guy for you next season down low. But if you lose A.J. Lawson, I mean, that, that's a big, big-time piece you're depending on. And, you know, it, it, I think right now, with A.J. Lawson on the roster, this, you know, Frank Martin has negated all these rumors. He's coming back. You know, you really feel like he's got a good squad. And listen, I've, I'll stand by my word. I've said before that I think if Frank Martin completely misses the postseason next season that there is a decent chance that he will be let go. I just, I just think that at some point they're going to, you know, the – if nothing else, I think the – I hate to say this. I just think the toxicity in the air of that job and – Frank Martin eventually is going to be like, I'm done with it. Enough is enough. We're not winning here. It's, you know, the fans are in a, in a, in a, in a rage, if you will. Not saying that I'm in that way. Uh, just saying I think that's something that could happen. Will it? I have no idea. But, again, I'm very high on next year's team with A.J. Lawson. I think they're a team that I can actually challenge for the NCAA tournament. Um, because as good as A.J. Lawson was as a freshman, I mean, you have to think, how good could the kid be as a sophomore? But if he leaves – I think it knocks this South Carolina squad down to you're fighting for the NIT. I just think you're fighting for the NIT. It would be <clears throat> it would be a huge, huge loss for South Carolina. Again, I think that's the reason you saw so many South Carolina fans um, sort of up in arms, if you will. I mean, again, I don't really blame them in, to a sense, but you have to remember that these guys are going to do this. They're going to test the waters. But hopefully, I think he will come back. You have to hope if you're a South Carolina Gamecock fan that he will come back. Um, but definitely something that South Carolina fans are going to be keeping an eye on because, again, I just think A.J. Lawson is a huge, huge piece to what Frank Martin is building into his team overall next season. Um, all right, let's move into some football, some football talk. Um, I want to start with this article that came out Saturday Down South releasing an article. I believe they released it 
Wednesday. They released it Wednesday, the title with spring ball all but over, a power ranking of SEC quarterbacks. I know this is something that got a lot of conversation um, over the social media waves, if you will, obviously, when anytime you're ranking quarterbacks or ranking any position group. And, you know, I know people are starved for, you know, SEC football talk, South Carolina football talk, et cetera, et cetera. Um, these rankings were very, very interesting, though. I'll kind of go through them, um, and you'll hear, obviously, where Jake Bentley is, and we'll kind of talk about where he is ranked. So, starting off from the bottom, number 14, Riley Neal at Vanderbilt. Um, he's a Ball State transfer, a brand-new guy. Not surprised to see him down there. Ben Hicks at Arkansas is the 13th-ranked quarterback. Um, brand-new starter there. Number 12, Matt Coral, Ole Miss. Um, a lot of these at the bottom that you're hearing are guys that haven't even won the job yet. So I think that's definitely a reason why they're down low. So Matt Coral, Ole Miss, number 12. Number 11, Terry Wilson at Kentucky. Gamecock fans are unfortunately very, very familiar with Terry Wilson. I thought he was actually pretty decent last year. We're going to find out just how good he is without Benny Snell. Um, really couldn't throw the football. But overall, Terry Wilson from Kentucky at 11. Keteon Thompson at Mississippi State, number 10. Um, a guy, again, they talk about his potential, a guy that hasn't even gotten the starting job yet. Um, you know, so overall, Keetion Thompson, number 10, Mississippi State. Number nine, <coughs> excuse me, guys. Number nine, where it gets interesting, Jake Bentley at South Carolina. And I'll kind of read the excerpt because the excerpt – actually, I'll, I'll go through the rest of the rankings then read the excerpt. Number eight, Malik Willis at Auburn, a new starter there as well. Um, number seven, Jarrett Garantano at Tennessee. Um, number six, Felipe Franks at Florida. Number five, Kelly Bryant at Missouri. I know South Carolina fans are familiar with him. Uh, number four, Joe Burrow at LSU. Number three, Kellen Mond at Texas A&M. Number two, Jake Fromm at Georgia. And number one, no surprise, two attack, two attack Viola at Alabama. Um, going back to Jake Bentley, again, ranked ninth amongst SEC quarterbacks, the most veteran quarterback in the SEC, a fourth-year starter, if you will, um, I'm going to read to you, read to you guys the excerpt. I'm going to read you guys the excerpt excerpt uh, below the Jake Bentley ranking here. So uh, it says, "Quote: I sold my stock on Bentley last year when once again it seemed like he failed to take that next step up. Sure, the touchdown numbers improved, as did the yards per attempt, but the week to week consistency just still isn't there, which is frustrating for someone entering his fourth year as a starter." It was sort of fitting that Bentley went off against Clemson and then came back down to earth in lackluster showings against Akron and Virginia to end the season. Without Debo Samuel, I have serious questions about what Bentley's upside really is. For me, he's a middle-of-the-pack guy until he can avoid those costly mistakes in key moments. I have to say, um, the uh, uh, credit to the writer, Connor Ogara, uh, very, very good article by him, but overall – you know, Jake Bentley being ranked ninth, I think, is a bit low. Um, I would not put him below um, – I don't think he should be below Jarrett Garantano at seven. I don't think he should be below Malik Willis. I don't think Jake Bentley should be below a guy that is, they're not even sure is going to be the starter. I just – I don't think you can look at a spring game and tell me this guy is better than Jake Bentley. Um, I think Jake Bentley right now should be seventh. Um, potentially sixth, Felipe Franks, obviously. I, I would argue with that one a little bit. Um, so Jake Bentley right on the cusp of being a top-half quarterback in the SEC. Um, you know, to me, I think the write-up is extremely fair. Um, I even think the ranking is fair, to be honest. I think everything he said is true. I think Jake Bentley, that's going to be his biggest – look, Look, he's probably going to leave South Carolina with most passing records at South Carolina, possibly even the wins record. But – 
are those numbers coming more so from longevity or because of his talent level? Because obviously I don't think anybody has started or will have started more games than Jake Bentley in his South Carolina career. Um, but I think everything you heard is what Jake Bentley must do to increase his stock and get into that upper echelon or that top, even just the top half of SEC quarterbacks. I and mean, we've got to see more consistent play from Jake Bentley. Obviously, the red zone interceptions, the red zone turnovers were a huge, huge area of emphasis in spring ball, were a huge, huge area that South Carolina was just not good in a year ago. Um, obviously, the, that, that's one thing I talked about during spring practice, obviously, is the loss of Debo Samuel. You know, who steps up? And, you know, is that playmaker for Jake Bentley for this offense? Because, again, Brian Edwards, I truly believe he can be the number one wide receiver, no doubt. I think Shai Smith can be that playmaker. I think Josh Van can step in and be a big-time target. I think Ortre Smith, if he can come back healthily from his knee injury, I think he can be a big-time target once again. But until those guys do it, it's going to be tough because Debo Samuel ate up a lot of big-time plays for South Carolina. And where are those plays going to go? Where are those throws going to go? from Jake Bentley. Again, I 100% agree with his analysis. I think Jake Bentley, again, the biggest thing with him is the consistency. I mean, the kid's got arm talent. The kid has, um, you know, really the pedigree, everything you look for in a quarterback, but simply the consistency and competing against the top competition. I mean, listen, you know, again, it's no secret. I feel like we're going to sound like a – I'm going to sound like a broken record before the season starts. We're, you know, doing our previews and stuff like that. Because, again, the biggest thing for Jake Bentley is simply, you know – beat the van you know beat everybody you're supposed to but how do you look against the Alabamas the Clemsons the Georgias the Texas A&Ms the the Floridas those big time games for South Carolina how do you go out there and how do you perform that's what Jake Bentley is going to be judged on his senior season I think that's what's most intriguing for the senior signal callers that he has the ability in his senior year to you know really change the narrative and flip the script on how South Carolina fans view him because I still think there's a lot of South Carolina fans to be brutally honest that just are not on that sold their Jake Bentley stock a long time ago we'll put it that way and I'm a guy listen listen again I I was as critical as anyone about Jake Bentley a year ago and I listen I think he deserved the criticism I 100% I mean you you play that position in the SEC it's 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 what comes with the territory you're going to be criticized that's just what comes with it um I still (laughs) for whatever reason I'd say you know I still think that Jake Bentley can be a very, very serviceable quarterback for South Carolina. I mean, again, with the schedule of South Carolina wins seven or eight games in 2019, you know, I, and I think it'll be considered a great season by a lot of people just because of that schedule, which was ranked number one in the ESPN Power Index, I believe, number one ranked toughest schedule. Um, but Jake Bentley has the chance to really make the mark on his legacy because I promise you if he goes out there, if he beat, beats Georgia, beats Clemson, beats Alabama, whatever – people are going to forget about his first three years. They're going to forget about 2017. They're going to forget about 2018. They're going to forget about the belt bowl, stuff like that. So it's just going to be very interesting to me. Again, his second year in the Brian McClendon offense, second year under Dan Werner. What type of strides does Jake Bentley make, not just physically, not just mechanically, but mentally as well? Because I think that's the biggest area for Jake Bentley, again, in the big-time moments, in the big-time games. is he Has he matured and has grown to be able to step up and be that guy for South Carolina? Um, <clears throat> let's get into some news and notes where we're getting the listener questions. Um, obviously a big one, Mike Wyman committing, uh, on Tuesday, 2024 star wide receiver, six four one ninety five out of the state of North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina to be exact Dudley high school. Um, big time picker for the Gamecocks, Again, a four star kid out of North Carolina, chose the Gamecocks over 
Arizona State, Arkansas, Auburn, and Duke. I believe UNC offered him as well. Um, anytime you're South Carolina, you can go to North Carolina and get a four-star guy. It's a big grab for, for the Gamecocks, a big-bodied wide receiver that I think could end up being a big-time target for, you know, whoever the next quarterback is after Jake Milley, whether that's Ryan Holinsky, whether that's Joyner, whether that's Doty. Um, you know, a guy that I really think could end up being a big-time big time wide receiver. I'll be honest with you guys, I have not watched a ton of film on the kid. Um, but when I see 6'4", 195, the first name or the first guy that comes to mind to me is a Sidney Rice. Could he be, you know, and it's obviously very, very early. I mean, he's literally just committed. It's not like he's signed, not on campus, hasn't done anything. But, you know, South Carolina getting those big body wide receivers in there I think is huge. I mean, I just think those are the type of guys that can go up. You know, we talked about trouble in the red zone. Those are the type of guys that can go up, make big-time plays in the red zone for you. Uh, And getting Mike Wyman to commit again, building momentum for that 2020 uh, 2020 recruiting class, very, very big for South Carolina. Don't have it pulled up right now as far as what the rankings are for the Gamecocks, but I believe they jumped up to 21st overall in the country and 7th in the SEC. So, you know, Will Muschamp staying hot on the recruiting trail. One decommitment. Um, other news and notes, one D commitment, Javion Cohen, which this one got a lot more news than I think a normal D commitment would have gotten. And I'll tell you why, and you probably already know why. Again, Javion Cohen, a three-star offensive lineman, a kid that, again, um, I don't want to take anything away from him because a good prospect. I mean, Eric Wolford, everybody he signs, you had to trust Wolf, right? I mean, he's he's kind of built up that reputation where whoever he wants and wants to bring in, I mean, he's done a very, very good job building up the Gamecocks offensive line, building up the depth et cetera, et cetera, and a very good job on the recruiting trail as well. But the big thing that made this news was his quote when he committed. And the quote goes like this, quote, uh, I'm 100% spurs up, I promise you. My mom loves it. My dad loves it too. They've always been there for me, so I feel like it's only right to do the same. So time to start recruiting for the university. Do you want to play for Bama or take down Bama? Um, that was his quote. So obviously when he decommitted, there were a lot of people wondering, myself included, saying, uh, what? Because he literally committed and said that less, I believe, less than a month ago. Um, I will tell you from what I've heard from inside sources, from people close to the situation, that there's a good chance he still ends up at South Carolina. Um, from what I've heard, he kind of wants to enjoy the recruiting experience, if you will, uh, enjoy the visits, the offers, stuff like that. I, you know, I, There's no real – rhyme or reason why these kids do this. And I said this on social media, you know, for you guys that follow the Spurs Up show, follow me. I don't think it's any secret that, you know, the Spurs Up show, I'm not going to sell you based on recruiting analysis or recruiting insider or whatever. I mean, you know, that that's just not our MO. There are other outlets for that type of coverage, but that's just never going to be my MO. And it's situations like this as to why I'm just not a religiously diehard recruiting guy. Just because, I, you know, you know, when you're hearing the news on, you know, 2021 running back on campus or, you know, 20, it really doesn't even matter anybody. To me, in recruiting, you all know, it does not mean a damn thing until the kid puts pen to paper and signs the dotted line. So, to me, I just don't get the, you know, it's fun to get commitments. Like, listen, Mike Wyman committing. It's great to get these commitments because, again, it's just almost like a, reassurance that, hey, you're building in the right direction. You have talented guys that want to come here. But, you know, everybody remembers being 16, 17, 18, how quick you were to flip your mind, change your decisions. And that's how these kids are. So, to me, that's why I never really religiously invest in recruiting and get all up in arms and, you know, whatever about, you know, who cares if a 2021 
2022 commitment had a good visit? Like, what does that really mean in the end? And again, the Javion Cohen thing, I mean, will he end up at South Carolina? I think there's still a decent chance that he does. I'm not sure this really even means anything, but I will say, like, if you're the – the first thing I'll say, don't tweet to the recruit saying, like, he's a piece of shit or that, you know, his – you know, your word doesn't mean anything. Nobody's word means anything. I mean, we literally just said, wait, what? Because I was genuinely shocked. I just didn't know what was going – I thought it was a joke. I mean, there were people saying that, you know, his account had gotten hacked or whatever, which is – seems crazy. I, it obviously didn't. But, um, you know, to me, again, it's just like for Javion Cohen, I mean – for these recruits, like to make those type of proclamations and decommit literally like a month later, maybe not even a full month later, you know, it's all very silly. It, honestly, it is all very, very silly the way that these guys chase down these 17-year-old kids and really hang on every decision they make. I mean, again, listen, I'm all for recruiting. I'm big on it. It's the life – it's literally the lifeline of college football. It's, a, it's the – you know, it's it's the blood of college athletics. If you can't recruit, you can't win. I mean, look at South Carolina, why they're in the situation, why they fell out, fell off after 2013, because they didn't recruit. But situations like the Javion Cohen thing are perfect examples of just why I kind of I kind of like to wade, you know, kind of wait back, see how everything plays out as we get closer to signing day. Again, when to me it really, really matters, you know, who a kid signs with. Once he signs you know, obviously it's all hunky-dory and he's coming to campus, he's a Gamecock, whatever. But, yeah, Javion Cohen's situation, very, very interesting. But, again, I think there's a good chance he ends up at, at South Carolina either way. So, very, very interesting, very very intriguing situation there. Um, some other minor news and notes, defensive back Zay Brown entering the transfer portal. Sure, everybody saw that this week. I don't think that's a big deal for South Carolina. Again, a guy that in two years did not play a snap for the Gamecocks. Um also, South Carolina men's golf picking up a big-time win at the Southern Intercollegiate in Athens, Georgia. Anytime you can go to Athens and beat Georgia is awesome, even if it's golf. So, Billy Mack and the boys continue to keep it rolling. I think I saw they moved up to 15th ranked in the country, um, which is huge. You know, awesome. I guess South Carolina, I guess you could say, I guess you could say sort of a golf school now. <laughs> I don't know. I guess South Carolina is a golf school now. All right, let's get into some listener questions because there's actually a lot of good ones. Um, let's see here. We'll go ahead and start with Judd Rupp, which his one, his, his question is more of a statement tank with two exclamations, two question marks, which is obviously talking about the four-star running back tank Bigsby 2020 running back. I will say from everything I've heard, it sounds good that South Carolina could get him. Obviously he's been on, he's been on social media, you know, saying, hey, Gamecock fans, get me to 1,000 on Instagram. He's done that with some other fan bases as well, so I don't think that's, you know, something to really look into. But, I, yeah, I mean, for listen, for a team like South Carolina that needs a playmaker at the running back position, I mean, you think they should be able to get one of these big-time guys. Because, I mean, again, you, you look at these kids, and you're like, you're going to be able to play pretty much immediately at South Carolina. So, um, Tank Bigsby, yeah, I think South Carolina's in really good shape to get him. Um, Stokes underscore Huey. What will be the baseball team's final SEC record? This is a great question. Um, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, guys. I talked about, again, you know, to get to where Texas a was a year ago, 13 and 17 in the SEC. Again, they made the postseason. South Carolina would need to go 9 and 6 over their final uh, – no, 15 games. Yeah, 9 and 6 over their final 15 games. Um, to me, I would switch that. I think South Carolina goes 6 and 9 over their final – Final 15, I just – again, I, I just don't see 
I don't see a scenario, you know, right now you just simply cannot pick South Carolina to beat a Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, or Mississippi State. You just can't do it. The Gamecocks are simply overmatched against those teams. I think they will beat Missouri and Kentucky, but overall I think the Gamecocks finish 10-20 and 20 in the SEC, which, again, will not be good enough to get them in the postseason. Um, Jacob underscore wise three, do you think that the win over UNC can give us a spark or maybe hope so? I mean, I mean – I think it can, but I also thought the NC State win could give South Carolina a spark, and it meant nothing. So, again, I don't think that – you know, I don't want to say it means absolutely nothing to get a big-time win like that, but it really doesn't mean a whole lot of anything. Um, you know, South Carolina's got to go out on a weekend and show – you know, and somebody asked me again, how does South Carolina keep winning these midweek games against, you know, these top-ranked ACC teams or whoever they are? And I think the big thing you need to take away from it is this is – that's why they play a series in baseball. I mean, one, you know, the Gamecocks aren't throwing their best guys. Don't get me wrong, but the other team's not either. Um, But, you know, that's why they play a series in baseball because any team can win one game over a team. But over a three-game series, the better team normally is is going to prevail, is going to show itself, which is why they play a series, which, you know, again, I could argue. I mean, South Carolina has been very, very, very close. But for the majority of the series this season for South Carolina, the better team has shown itself. There's no doubt about that. The better team has been able to come out and win game three, win the big game. That's unfortunate for South Carolina, but right now that's sort of the truth. So, you know, to answer your question, can it give the Gamecocks momentum? I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It really, you know, if you go out and lose Thursday, I don't think it, it means anything. But also if you win Thursday, does it? Did, are you going to credit the UNC win for starting, sparking that, if you will? I mean, I don't think South Carolina – really needs a spark or anything to get motivated. They know what they have to do. They know that every series is a must-win at this point. Um, ben Smitty, 2017. Are all the baseball losses on Kingston or the young pitching staff? Um, I mean, I don't think Kingston has done anything necessarily to lose games. I mean, I've definitely questioned the way that Mark Kingston and Skylar Mead have handled the pitching staff. I mean, there's definitely different decisions I thought they could have made. But overall, I mean – Simply the reason South Carolina hasn't won series and hasn't won games is because of a young, a young depleted pitching staff, depleted by injuries, plus an inconsistent lineup. I mean, it's really that simple. I mean, it's just really, really that simple. I mean, South Carolina is throwing guys right now that are in positions to be in that South Carolina I don't think ever project those guys to be in. I mean, I don't think they ever expected Cam Tringali to be a weekend starter, you know, with all respect to Cam, because I think he's going to be a good one, but um that was never a role they expected them in. So a lot of guys have been forced into – have been forced into different roles for South Carolina. Um, and I definitely think the youth and experience has shown its ugly head with the injuries as well. Um, ben Smitty, 2017, again, also asked, how good will the defense be this coming season? I, I'm very excited for the South Carolina defense. I mean, you know, I just think there's as many playmakers and as much athleticism on that side of the ball as we've seen in quite some time. Again, there are still question marks South Carolina – without a doubt, has questions at the linebacker position. The front seven in general, I think the defensive line will be very good, but anytime you are, you know, as thin and as I just – South Carolina's not really that good at the linebacker position. Anytime that's an area of concern, uh, it's going to bother you. But, man, South Carolina's got playmakers, I feel like, all over the defense. You look at the secondary, you're talking about J.C. Horn, McQuamu, R.J. Roderick, you know, Jamel Cook, what he did in the spring game. You know, Jamias Williams, he, if he can come back fully healthy, 
Um, you're talking the defensive line, you know, Javon Kinlaw coming back, Rick Sandage, J.J. Nigbare, um, some of the new guys as well, Zach Pickens, Rodriguez Fitton, you know, stuff like that. So I think there's a lot to be excited about with this defense. I think this will by far be the best defense South Carolina has had uh, under Will Muschamp as long, as long as they can stay healthy. Um, Gamecock coverage, will our defensive line be one of the best in the SEC? Kind of just talked about that, but one of the best, I think it'll be definitely top half of the SEC will be one of the best. I think maybe, maybe a little bit of a stretch. Um, but overall, I mean, I think they're definitely trending in that direction. I th- certainly think they'll be top half of the SEC. Uh, J.K. Gill, 34. Let the excuse for Frank keep coming. If he has a bad season, it's because A.J. left. And this is the, the mindset I know a lot of South Carolina fans have had. You know, like I said before, either, you're either you're on one side or the other with Frank Martin. I just don't know a lot of people. South Carolina fans, for whatever reason, don't let you live in the middle on Frank Martin. You're on one side. You either support him or you want him fired, and that's it. Um, you know, again, overall, I wouldn't overreact to the A.J. Lawson news. I think, again, simply testing out the waters is something we're going to see guys do. But, you know, overall, if he does leave, you know, it's certainly – I mean, listen, it's <clears> – and this isn't saying this in a negative way, but it's certainly going to be a built-in excuse for Frank Martin. I mean, it is certainly going to be a built-in excuse going into the next season, um, which is unfortunate in my opinion. But, again, I think A.J. Lawson comes back. I think this is a non-issue in a couple weeks, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, Finally, Joshua Paul, 843. When's the next live show? I had to miss the last one. Joshua, appreciate you reaching out and asking. Um, I'm not 100% sure when the next live show will be. Uh, Obviously, we're going to have live shows all fall from basically every single football game. I'm not sure how many road trips I'll be able to make, but definitely every game outside of Williams-Brice Stadium. We've also got some other things in the works. Um, You know, the only thing I would say is that, unfortunately, with baseball being the way it is right now, you know, I would have loved to have come into town, say, you know, if you're listening to this on Thursday, we'd love to come in town, say, before a big SEC series and sort of hype it up and preview it and throw a party, whatever. But, you know, with the – unfortunately, with the performance of the baseball team, it has made that tough. Um, but definitely working on some things um, with some different guys on some, you know, possibly throwing like a Spurs Up show party even, if you will. But the live shows at the, at the absolute worst – will happen from outside of Williams-Brice Stadium all fall long, which is something that, again, I'm, I'm very, very much looking forward to. I think it's going to be awesome, kind of a Spurs-up show tailgate, if you will. Um, but, yeah, overall, I, I'm very, very excited about that. Appreciate you asking. Yeah, if you come by, um, we'll definitely have some uh, TSUS swag for you for asking. So, really do appreciate it. Um, other than that, I think that's pretty much going to do it. As you guys probably, probably you know, did not hear me mention in the beginning, no guest on the show this week, unfortunately. I actually had three different guests I was speaking to. All of them either had to reschedule, cancel, whatever it is. It's been kind of a crazy week for me, as you guys know, with the whole sickness thing, with the whole allergy-type deal. Um, and this will not be a normal thing for the Spurs Up show. We are going to have guests on both the Monday and the Thursday episodes. But, again, unfortunately, just um, had a couple guests lined up, and all of them – we had to reschedule, which is really never happened to me, I don't think. So either way, we'll have them on next week. No big deal. There's some big-time guests coming up. Uh, if you haven't done so in the meantime, listen to the Christian Walker interview. I mean, I, I just can't stress how good of an interview that was. I mean, just a phenomenal, phenomenal interview. A guy that just literally hit a walk – not a walk-off, but the go-ahead home run against the Atlanta Braves of the night, which, listen, I'm a Braves fan, but I was ecstatic to see it. Um, anytime a Gamecock does well in the MLB, I, I think it's awesome. But – 
Uh, yeah, no guests on this episode, but overall, again, this will not happen again. We'll have guests on every episode Monday and Thursday. And uh, like I said, moving those guys to next week. So, again, we'll have those guys on next week. So, other than that, um, like I said, yeah, that's pretty much it again. Uh, be sure to stay tuned to all of our coverage. We'll be covering or I'll be covering the uh, the baseball series all weekend long for the Gamecocks again. Taking on Texas A&M Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'll have the Daily Crow as well if you're listening to this. It's probably already out, but the Daily Crow will be out as well discussing that series, kind of breaking it down more in detail as far as the numbers are concerned. Um, and that'll do it for me here at the Spurs Up Show. So appreciate you guys tuning in again. I'm Chris Phillips. If you haven't done so, be sure to follow us on all our social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube. Subscribe. Go leave us five stars on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to us at. Take five seconds. Please do me that favor. Take five seconds. If you want to leave some feedback as well, if you want to leave a message as well, I'll read it on the show next week even. But please do me that favor. Take five seconds. Leave us five stars. Again, it helps other people find us. We're trying to, obviously, the Spurs Up show, trying to grow every single day, trying to get better every single day. And your reviews certainly help. So appreciate you guys tuning in. Chris Phillips, appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll talk to you soon.